about for a second the person who's sitting next to you. And if you know them, this will be really easy. If not, think about somebody that you spent time with this morning before you got here. And when you think of the person next to you, what is the first word that comes to mind? First word that comes to mind. You don't have to say this so you can really be honest in your head. I mean, if I said jerk, I wouldn't tell that to them. But, but think about the first word that comes to mind. What's funny is that for many of us, we didn't even think about that. It just instantly came. We just said, okay, word, and all of a sudden a word arrived. And there are people in our lives, there are people in our world that as soon as we think of them, there's a word or a phrase that immediately comes to mind that summarizes who that person is. And this morning as we get started, I wanted to kind of begin with a little interactive exercise for you. I've pulled some famous or historical figures, and I'm going to ask you to help finish the phrase when it comes to them. Okay, so we'll start with an easy one here. We have Dr. King. He said, I have... Okay, you guys are doing good. We're one for one so far. Okay, number two. JFK said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what... You guys are really good this morning. You're awake. So when it came to my hero as a child, we all wanted to be like Mike, okay? Beyonce told us, if you liked it, you should have put a ring on it. You guys have some, uh, you know, modern culture music. We're going to go back into the past here. Elvis said, you ain't nothing but a hound dog. Good job, guys. See, we're hitting all ages in here. We're a multi-generational church. Lincoln said, four score and... Adele said, hello from the other side. I must have called a thousand times. I guess not many Adele fans in the house. Jack Nicholson said, you can't handle. And in the League of Their Own, they said, there's no crying unless you're a Dodgers fan. <laughs> now, hey, just, just for the record, I wrote that joke on Wednesday morning before the game happened, so I would have thrown the Astros fans under the bus if they'd lost. So, you know, we associate phrases and words with people. It isn't just people we know, it's people we don't. And in this series that we're doing on the life of Joshua, there's a phrase that many of us have associated with his life. And it's this phrase, be strong and courageous. For many of you, when you you heard Joshua's name for the first time, or when you studied him, or you heard we were doing this series, and you heard Joshua, the immediate thing you thought of was be strong and courageous. Because it's the phrase that's associated with him. But this morning, what I want to do is I want to lead us to reflect on this phrase in his life. Because I think even though we all know this phrase, it has something to teach us that we've overlooked. And so this morning, if you have a Bible, would you open up to Joshua chapter 1? We've been in the book of Numbers for the last couple weeks getting into Joshua's life. Now we're actually in the book of Joshua, which is the one that's named after him. Joshua is the sixth book in the Bible. And to to recap our series a little bit, in week one, we talked about the fact that, that we all will face crisis moments, challenges, and unexpected moments in our lives. And in that time, we'll have an opportunity to choose fear or hope, and that choice will make a world of difference. Last week, we looked at Joshua and the time in which Moses transitioned his leadership to Joshua. And we said, hey, if you want to become courageous, you should not only pay attention to your talent, but most of all, you should pay attention to your character. Because God is more concerned with our character than our talent. And this week, we're going to begin in Joshua's book, looking at this message that he heard from God again and again and again. 
So beginning in Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, this is what we read. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your feet will tread upon, I've given you, just as I promised Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. God's like marking up their territory, east and west and north and south. And he says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. For just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. So be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left hand, that you may have good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it night and day, giving so that you may be careful to do everything according to all that is written into it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And just so that we're clear, he says again, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord is with you wherever you go. This morning, we're going to spend the majority of our time in this verse in Joshua 1.9. And I think the central message this passage brings us is our big idea this morning. That becoming courageous is a direction, not a destination. This series that we're in is called Becoming Courageous. And becoming courageous is a direction we move in, not a destination we arrive at. And many of us, when we look at our lives, we, we, we look at the places where we want to have more courage, what we think about is the places we want to get to and arrive at where we'll finally be courageous. But this morning, as we're going to look at how often this phrase, be strong and courageous, comes out in Joshua's life, what we're going to discover is that even though he heard this message again and again and again, he never arrived at a place where he didn't need to hear the message again. And so becoming courageous for us and for Joshua is a direction. It's not a destination. This morning, as we look at this passage, this verse in specific, Joshua 1.9, what I want to do is I want to share with you three lessons from reverse engineering Joshua's life. Some of you go, Scott, what on earth does reverse engineering mean? Well, reverse engineering is taking apart an object to see how it works in order to duplicate or enhance the object. If you've ever bought something that had an American brand label on it in certain sections of other countries, you've experienced the fruit of reverse engineering. Companies will take apart a device like your phone and they'll study how it works, the hardware and the software, and they'll try to replicate it or duplicate it. Some of the greatest inventions have come from reverse engineering where something was working well and someone took it apart and figured out how to make it work better. And so this morning, we're going to take apart this message to Joshua, 
and say, is there something there for us? And is there something even greater than what God said to Joshua for us today? The first lesson I think we can take away from Joshua's life message is that Joshua felt weak and afraid. Joshua felt weak and afraid. When I hear three times in nine verses, be strong and courageous, I believe that's an indicator to us that Joshua wrestled with weakness and fear. Because why would God need to repeat the message to him over and over and over again if he was someone who already felt strong and courageous? I have three little children. One is five, two of them are three. And this morning, my wife and I were joking that their ears weren't working very well. We had to repeat things again and again and again, you know, louder to get their attention. See, if they'd heard it the first time, we wouldn't have had to repeat it. We wouldn't have had to raise our voice. And in Joshua's life, it's not just in Joshua 1.9 where we read this phrase, be strong and courageous. Joshua hears this message again and again and again. Beginning in Deuteronomy 3.28, God speaks to Moses and he tells Moses, tell Joshua to be strong and courageous. In Deuteronomy 31.6, Moses says to all the people, all of you guys, including you, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Then two verses later in Deuteronomy 31, 7 and 8, he's like, just so you know, Joshua, that applied to you. Be strong and courageous. In Deuteronomy 31.23, that's three times in one chapter, God says to Joshua, Joshua, be strong and courageous. In Joshua 1.6, God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. In Joshua 1.7, God says to Joshua, be strong and very courageous. In Joshua 1.9, God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. In Joshua 1.18, God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. And then in Joshua 10.25, Joshua says to the people, what? Be strong and courageous. Are you getting a pattern here? Are you annoyed yet? See, the reason that God continues to repeat this message to Joshua is not that Joshua was this stalwart example of strength and courage. It wasn't that he already didn't know that he needed to be strong and courageous, that he didn't feel strong and courageous. It's that he felt weak and afraid. And God had to continue to remind him that the moment he was in was one in which he needed to be strong and courageous. He'd already defeated the Amalekites. He'd already walked through the the Red Sea on dry ground. He'd already spied out the promised land and stood on his own with Caleb and said, we're going to respond with hope. We're going to be strong and courageous. And yet God continues to repeat it again and again. And it's a lesson for us that yesterday's courage is not good enough for today's crisis. We have to find new courage and new strength for today. And one of the reasons I believe Joshua wrestled with weakness and being afraid was that Joshua was an incredibly humble guy. We don't find any record in the whole book about him, Joshua, or in Deuteronomy, or in Numbers, any moment where God has to speak to him about pride and ego. And yet we know so many other leaders in this book who had huge pride and ego problems. Moses, Abraham, Saul, even at times David, King Solomon, 
Peter, James, John, the disciples, there's all these leaders who had ego problems, but not Joshua. And I believe that's because Joshua was a humble, not self-seeking leader. And when you're humble, sometimes what happens is that you move from humility into insecurity. C.S. Lewis once said that humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And some of us who believe we're humble, what actually it is, it's It's insecurity. We think less of ourselves than God does. And so we wrestle with fear because we don't see what God sees within us. And what I've learned is that when I turn the fear knob, when I respond to my life circumstances with fear, my fear ends up creating the very circumstances I'm afraid of. Alison Fallon said this. She said, fear is a self-fulfilling prophecy. We're afraid, so we act out of fear, And because we act out of fear, our fears tend to come true. For so many of us, our fears are the very place where our worst nightmares are born. Because we act out of fear and create the very things that we're afraid of. And so God says to Joshua again and again and again and again, be strong and courageous. So if you're feeling weak and afraid today, what I want you to know is that God is going to continue to speak that word to you until you hear it. One thing I've learned about God is that he has no problem repeating things to me if I'm not listening. I call that sometimes where God's stalking me. I'll open the Bible and I'll read it and I'll see something and I'll be praying and I'll hear something and I'll turn on a random podcast and listen to a pastor and I've listened to before and he's speaking on that. And I'll sit down with a friend and they go, hey, have you ever thought about this? And I'm like, stop it, God, okay, okay, I get it. You got my attention. And so if you're somebody who goes, man, I'm not sure I'm hearing God, don't worry. He'll make sure you hear from him, even if he has to repeat it again and again and again. The second thing I think we learn about Joshua from his life message and reverse engineering it is that Joshua wanted to run away and give up. Joshua wanted to run away and Joshua wanted to give up. In Joshua 1.9, God says to Joshua, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. Well, what happens when you're afraid of something? You step back. You create distance. If you're out hiking and you see a rattlesnake, what's the first thing you do? You step back and you create distance. And because we're in Prescott and you're carrying, you pull it out and you shoot it, you know? (laughs) Maybe, I'm just saying, I haven't been here very long, but I'm picking up on a few things here and there. I've got got a cheering section in the back for that one. (laughs) So you, you pull away from things you're frightened of And when you're dismayed, when you don't know how this thing is going to work out, you give up. Some of you in your life right now, you're dismayed. There's a person in your family, and you're not sure how they're ever going to turn around. And so you're dismayed and you're tempted to give up on them. Some of you are wrestling with a hang-up or a struggle, or a sin issue that you've been trying to find victory over for years. And you're dismayed. You're not sure you're ever going to find victory in that place. And so you're tempted to give up. 
There's a reason why the most often repeated command in Scripture is do not be afraid. It's because we wrestle with that fear. Sometimes it manifests itself in things we pull away from, and sometimes it manifests itself in things where we're tempted to give up. And contrary to popular opinion, the meme you've seen online is not accurate. The, the, the phrase, do not be afraid, does not appear in the Bible 365 times. I know it's heartbreaking, it kind of kills the hallmark piece of it, um, one for every day of the year, but it is the most often repeated message. And I believe that's because fear is one of the biggest struggles that followers of Jesus have ever wrestled with. And it's the, one of the biggest battles that we face today. That it causes us to give up. And I'm talking about Joshua's life message here. And one of the life messages God's given me are these two knobs that I gave you two weeks ago and that I have here in front of you. Nine years ago, God spoke to me and said, Scott, again and again in life, you're going to have a choice. You can respond with fear or you can respond with hope. And these two knobs have been a reminder again and again, like Joshua's be strong and courageous to me, that I don't need to step back and run away and give up and hide. I need to step forward with hope. Six years ago, I was in a role like Joshua was. And I had a Moses. His name was Maxie Birch. He's the man that we named our son Maxwell after. Incredible, brilliant guy, PhD, way smarter than me. And we were team teaching in a service together at our church. And one week it'd be him, one week it'd be me. And, and I enjoyed kind of being in his shadow. I enjoyed being his number two. And he came in one day and said, Scott, I'm going to be moving. And I think you should take all of this. I think you should be the guy. And my natural reaction was to hide. Because I was used to being in his shadow. I wasn't used to being in the spotlight. I was used to being able to give him all the hard stuff and me take all the easy stuff. I was used to being able to go to him when I didn't know what to do and he would give me great advice. And in that moment where he said I was le he was leaving, I felt frightened and dismayed. I wanted to run away and I wanted to give up. But the decision that he encouraged me and others encouraged me to take to be strong and courageous, to choose hope and not fear is part of the reason I'm here today, six and a half years later. And I think there's got to be somebody in the room today where you're in a moment that you didn't plan for or expect and you're tempted to run away and give up. But what I want to tell you is what you do in this moment could change the trajectory of your future. And as much as you want to run away and give up, Hear the word that God spoke to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed. The third thing we hear God say to Joshua is that I will be with you wherever you go. And I think that's because Joshua felt alone and abandoned. I believe that Joshua felt alone and abandoned. As a pastor, one of the hardest things that I have to do is be there at a funeral or walk with a family through grief. And although I'm a younger guy, one of the things I've learned about marriage is watching a couple where one spouse dies and one spouse lives. And it's taught me so much about the power and the importance of marriage because I watch one person just try to do even the most basic things of life. 
without that person there anymore. And it isn't because they were codependent. It's because they were a team. And they, they did this well, and they did that well. And when they didn't do that anymore, and this person didn't do that well, it's a struggle. And I watch a couple who's been together for 35 or 40 or 50 years, and that one person tries to begin afresh and anew. That's exactly how Joshua felt. Because he wasn't married, but for 40 years, his teammate was Moses. For 40 years. For over 12,000 days. Every day, Joshua led the people with Moses. And then Moses is gone. And it was only human that he felt alone and abandoned. And he had to fill Moses' sandals on his own. He can't call Moses and say, hey, remember that time where you did that one decision? Why did you do that? What were you thinking? Hey, Moses, I have this really big problem. That one guy, I know he drove you nuts for 40 years. Help me figure out how to lead him. He couldn't call Moses. And he felt alone and abandoned. And one of the other things that was going through his head was, I know that Moses went in and he talked to God as a man talks to his friend. Is God going to be there for me? The way he was for Moses. And what God says to Joshua is he says, I will be there wherever you go. I will be with you wherever you go. It's this promise that he makes to him that is very specific in the ways he needed and not very specific in the ways that he wanted. He says, Joshua, I will be with you wherever you go. He doesn't say that wherever you go is going to be easy. He doesn't say wherever you go is going to be free from pain. He doesn't say wherever you go is not going to be something that makes you feel overwhelmed, terrified, and afraid. He just says, I will never leave you. I will be with you wherever you go. And here's what I've learned. When God promises us that he'll be with us wherever we go, that presence motivates our courage. When I know that God is with me, I instantly get just a little bit more courageous. And when I sense that I'm alone and abandoned, and when it seems to me that God is not with me, I feel more afraid and less courageous. And the reason why God says these words to Joshua is that Joshua is going to be faced with moments where he has to be courageous. And what's so interesting, for those of you who have been around the Bible for a long time, these are the exact same words that Jesus spoke to his disciples before he went into heaven. In Matthew 28, he said, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He didn't give them some, you know, these are the five best tips to grow a worldwide church that lasts 2,000 years. He didn't say, hey, some things are going to happen in the first part of the 2000s. They're going to blow your mind, and I'm not sure how you're going to deal with them, and here's how to do. He just says, I'm going to be with you. And when we know that God is with us, that's enough. That's enough. That's enough for us to continue to be courageous. If you haven't picked up on this theme yet, one of the things we learn from Joshua's story is that God's word speaks directly to our needs. The reason why I encourage you to not only be in this book on Sundays is that God's word speaks directly to our needs. 
and you have needs beyond Sunday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. And so you need to be in God's word more than just Sunday mornings. In Joshua 1.8, God says to Joshua, he says, the book of the law, which is all they had of this at the time, Genesis to Deuteronomy. He says, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it so that, that you shall meditate on it so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written into it. God told Joshua three things. He said, talk about it. Talk about my word. If the only time you talk about God's word is on Sunday's mornings, it won't have tremendous power in your life. So you need to talk about this. One of the reasons we have our community group set up throughout the week to talk about what we talked about here is so that you'll put this into practice, that you'll talk about God's word and how it's speaking to you and what it's saying to you. He says, not only talk about it, but meditate on it. Now, when you hear the word meditate, I know some of you go to Sedona, to a rock and crystals and um... But before there was a Sedona and before there were crystals and before there was any of that, God told us to meditate on his word. Because all of us are really good meditators. You are an amazing, you should have a PhD in meditating. Because when something bad happens in your life or you watch the news or you get an email from a friend that came from a friend of theirs that came from a friend of theirs, you meditate on that. You can't get it out of your head. And God is saying, instead of meditating on things that birth worry and fear and anxiety, meditate on my word. Meditate on my promises. And then finally, he says, do what it says. Do what it says. I'm convinced that some of us think that we're going to stand before God one day on the day of judgment and and we're going to go, God, guess what? I know everything you said. I memorized every word. And I think God's going to say, I know. I know everything I said. I'm glad you know it too. But did you do it? God's not impressed that we just know everything he said. Guess what? He knows everything he said too. What he wants is us to talk about it and meditate on it so that we can do what it says. This morning, I have some next steps that I want to challenge you with because I don't just believe that Joshua had a life message. I believe you do too. So the first next step I want to challenge you with is I want to challenge you beginning this morning to identify the message you've heard from God again and again. If Joshua's message was be strong and courageous, then what's yours? What's the message God continues to speak to you day after day or year after year or decade after decade? Some of you, it might be because you haven't yet put your faith and trust in Jesus that he loves you, that he gave his life for you, and that he wants you to surrender your life to him. That might be the message you're hearing. Others of you, it might be that God loves you for who you are, not your performance. It might be trust in me, not in your circumstances. I don't know what your life message is, but I want you to begin to identify it. Secondly, I want to challenge you to summarize that life message in a statement. This morning in your bulletin, when you walked in, you found an index card 
in your bulletin, and I want you to pull out that index card. The reason we gave you an index card was that we wanted you to put this idea into practice, and we wanted you to identify what your life message is in a statement. Some of you already know what it is. When I started repeating, be strong and courageous, you were getting flashbacks to God repeating something to you again and again. And this morning, if you know what it is, I want to challenge you to write it down this morning before you leave. And in the lobby, right near the ticket office, before you leave, there's a big giant cork board. And if you already know what yours is, I want you to go out there and I want you to tack it on that board. If you don't know what it is, I want you to take this card home and I want you to write it down. I want you to come back next Sunday. I know that's a crazy thing. You come to church two Sundays in a row. But I want you to tack it to the board when you come back. And I want you to look at other people's. Third thing I want to challenge you to do is I want you to begin asking yourself, God, why are you speaking this message to me? God, why are you telling this to me again and again and again? Let me share with you real quick my life message. I first heard this from God 12 years ago this fall. My life message is that I am the beloved child of God. That God loves Scott for who he is, not what he does or what other people say about him or what he does. You want to know why God spoke that message to me 12 years ago? Because he knew I would stand on a stage like this. And he knew that I would be tempted to put my worth and value and how I did on a stage like this and what people like you said about how I did on a stage like this. And so on a, on a nearly daily basis, I'm not going to lie to you and say I remember this on a daily basis, but on a nearly daily basis, I remind myself, Scott, God loves you for who you are before you get up and do anything today. Because God created you and he chose you and he gave his life for you before you preached a sermon and before people ever came in a room. I want you to ask yourself, why is God speaking this message to me? And then finally, I want you to ask yourself, what would happen if I believed and acted in light of this message? Again, it's not enough to go, hey, I'm going to talk about this life message. I'm going to meditate on it. I want to challenge you with what would it mean if you actually believed it? What would it mean if you actually acted as if it was true? Because next week, we're going to talk about what happened in Joshua's life when he actually began being strong and courageous. And so I want you to think about this all week. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the messages you've been trying to speak to us. And God, we confess that a lot of times when we should be listening, we're distracted. We're listening to other voices. We're meditating on other things. And so you have to repeat yourself over and over and over again. And that's why we're so grateful that you are a God who is patient and loving. And I pray that even beginning right now, that you would begin echoing in the hearts of the people in this room and watching online the word that you want them to hear. The message that you've been trying to break through the noise in their life to get through to them. I pray that they would hear that message and that they would believe it. I pray that they would meditate on it. 
I pray that they would act in accordance with that message. And I pray that you would continue to move them in the direction of courage. God, there are so many people in this room and who are in our church who are in very difficult days, who are fighting for their life or who are mourning a loved one, who are uncertain where the resources are gonna come from and who aren't sure if they're gonna be able to get over the thing they've been battling for so long. There are people in this room who feel alone and abandoned, who feel weak and afraid, who feel frightened and dismayed. And God, you have a word for them this morning. Maybe even a word that I haven't spoken, but you've spoken yourself today. We pray that our eyes would be open, our hearts would be ready to hear what it is you want to say to us. We pray, God, that you'd give us the courage to act in light of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.